Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Everybody loves the look of a freshly cut and lined baseball field, but nobody really knows how it comes to be. That's why I invited my friend Mitch Hooten on to talk to us about being a head groundskeeper. Mitch has made stops with the Toledo Mud Hens in the major leagues with the Detroit Tigers, the Nashville Sounds, Kannapolis Intimidators, Beloit Snappers, and has now settled down with the West Michigan Whitecaps, single-A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers in the Midwest League. And he also won Field of the Year in the Midwest League in 2019. Can't wait to talk about dirt and grass with Mitch Hooten after he puts the kids to bed and after this short break. All right, Mitch, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. How's the field coming along up there in Michigan? It is very frozen right now, Bobby. It's uh, We're actually going through kind of a late cold snap right now, but um, temperatures look promising coming up this weekend and going into next weekend. So I think we're down about 40 days, somewhere around 40 for a home opener. So uh, just waiting for this weather to kind of clear up and go at it. Right, right. Yeah, it's a it's a totally different ball game um, up there in Michigan, Wisconsin, all those northern states. Um, opening day comes along much sooner than head groundskeepers would like. I'm assuming. Right. Uh, um, go ahead. It's and the thing is, everyone asks, you know. What, when are you going to start? I mean, I, I really don't start shooting until about mid-March. Because mm-hmm. really, there's nothing really... I mean, you can tinker around a little bit, but the weather's so unpredictable right now, so it's really not worth it. Right, right. Um, for our listeners, I will put a disclaimer out here. I have a very tired puppy sitting next to me, and he is snoring, and the microphone might pick it up. But just so you know, it is adorable. Um, Mitch, can you describe your daily duties both in season and in the off season? I know up there in Michigan in the off season, especially there's a lot of times you can't get on the field. So just just kind of spell out your daily duties for us. Uh, during the season, um, uh, typical game days will you know will usually come in about between nine and ten, depending on what time we get out the night night before. Sure. Um, well, you know, I have a couple guys that come in. Um, we typically will do bullpens in the morning, uh, mow the field, uh, get a couple coats of water on the on the infield skin. Um, hopefully, by then we can take a halfway decent lunch. Um, nowadays, with uh, being in low A baseball, uh, these. Uh, 
the players and coaches they're doing basically full fledged practices before the game even starts. Right. So they'll you know typically you know if it's a good day you know if the game starts at seven you know if they they usually come up between one o'clock two o'clock and you know it's, they're on the field all the, all day basically all the way up until um, game time. So a lot of it. You know, we'll set up, you know, the batting practice uh, mats and screens. And uh, from there, it's usually just coordinating with, with the rovers. You know, we need a pitching machine here. We need a screen here. Mm-hmm. We need to move this screen there. And that's right. basically from 1 until about uh, 6 o'clock is playing with, you know, playing around with the screens. Um, off weeks, um, you know, we, we run a... Uh, quite a few of uh, we call them facility events at the ballpark. Sure, sure. So we'll have concerts. Um, we'll, you know, what else we have? So a lot of corporate picnics, uh, corporate BPs. Um, I mean, we we'll basically do almost anything if it will make us money. That's um, the name of the game in minor league baseball. Yeah. So if. You know, I and I got to work my schedule around you know facility events. You know, name yeah, you know, like you said, Bobby, the name of the game is to make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. So, all my fertility programs, cultural practices are based off of uh, you know our facility event schedule. So, um, you know, you know, seven got teams gone for seven days. I might have two or three days to get everything done for the next seven game homestand. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to you know crunch everything in that time. It just really depends on what's what's going on that week, really. Right, right. Um, in the off season, do you do a lot of like stadium operations stuff, or um, during the off season, um, it's it's really nice because um, <laughs> we walk, you know we work so much during the actual playing growing season. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll you know I'll go out and. Shovel some snow. We'll do some little projects around the shop, um, tighten up some batting practice screens. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of it is just you know preparing for the next season. A lot of budget work. A lot of uh, going over you know purchase orders and you know stuff like that. Try to save the team a little bit of money. Um, but you know a lot of it you know is is downtime getting the body rested to go back at it again and I mean because we get done we get done late because um, we oh, always yeah. have a football game about second week of October okay so we push everything you know typically everybody else in my league baseball gets done September well we push facility events all the way into end of October mm-hmm. so that pushes everything back so I have to rebuild the mound every year the game mound get the infield laser graded, put the thing to bed. And by the time that's done, that's Thanksgiving, first weekend of December. So, I mean, we literally will have about 90 days off until we start back up in mid-March. So it's really, it's just, you know, get the body rested and get ready to go back at it again. Yeah, yeah. It is such a physically demanding job. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Can you can you kind of go into that? Just how physically demanding it is. Back in the day, yeah, in Beloit, yeah, I had uh, it was myself, 
myself and uh, myself who did <laughs> everything. You're absolutely um, right. Um, I mean, I did everything by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I got help in Beloit was during games. Right. Um, here, I actually finally, you know, I get some help. So the physical labor, I haven't had to do that much physical labor anymore, mm-hmm. which okay. is really nice. That is nice. I think Beloit took five years off my life when it came to shoulder joints and knee joints and everything else. Dude, I think it took off at least five years just with with stress and burning my eyebrows off and right. all that kind um, of stuff. Yeah, the eyebrow, yeah, the eyebrow story, that was a good one. Thank you. Um, so it's I get to use my mind a little bit more. I get to politic a little bit more, which is a lot more fun than doing the physical labor. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, you've made a lot of different stops. What's the right. difference between growing grass down south and in states with winter weather like Michigan and Wisconsin? I imagine it's vastly different, right? Uh, if 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 uh, hopefully you got a, quite a bit, bit of followers right now. Um, hopefully I've got some guys down south that are groundskeepers that listen to this. Um, I hope so too. Spread the word. They're, probably, they're they're gonna probably hate me saying this, but it's a lot easier to grow grass down south mm-hmm. than it is in the north. Yep. Um, I mean, you get on the Twitter right now. Everybody's fields down south. They're looking looking great right now. Um, okay. And you come up around our neck of the woods. Uh, Grass is still brown. Um, mm-hmm. It's dormant. It's it's you know it's very cold out right now. Um, comparisons. I, it's I each each type of grass has its own little you know you know perks and you know it's um, you know during the summer down there yeah you, you know you really don't have to stress out about your Bermuda dying. Yeah. Okay. Up here, it's it's a hundred, you know, it's ninety degrees and hundred percent humidity, and you have sleepless nights because you want to know you don't know if your grass is gonna make it through the night or not. Right. So, um, you know, and then you know their their transition period during the springs, you know, they're they're worried about their rye burning up and their Bermuda not growing, and that time of the year, that's that's our golden golden time of the year. So our grass is looking great; it's coming out of dormancy. It's so it's, I mean, every, every both of them, I, you know, they, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be, you know, warm season down south grass. I mean, it's, sure. it's a lot, it's a lot less stressful in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I've always heard from groundskeepers that I've worked with is like, just that Bermuda grows so much easier and down south, it's so much easier there was one guy who I worked with who we were at the bar having having drinks one night and um, he was the head groundskeeper in Beloit um, a couple years before you mm-hmm. and he we, they were playing a uh, preseason game in Montreal and he's he's like had got a couple drinks in him and he just goes man that field doesn't look up to par. He's like, I know I could go grass up in Montreal. Like, I was just like, all right, dude. Like, it's an indoor stadium. Yeah, right. Ahead, right. I was like, okay. I don't, I don't know what the difference is, but okay. 
it's yeah it, that's a thing like um you know during the summer you know all the fields up north you know everyone everyone's everyone sees everyone you know we got nice striped lines and you, know, you got the wrigley fields you got all those major league ballparks up here that are all striped up real nice and you know um guys down south or you know oh you know you got bermuda it doesn't stripe up that well well there's ways to stripe it up but right um, um, it's like it's like now you know, we're, you know all the guys up here up in the north we're all jealous because everyone's rocking and rolling and their grass is growing down south and it's kind of a flip flop. Come summertime, where, you know, our fields are looking great, and theirs are just like, yeah. Right, right. Um, speaking as the best field of the year in the Midwest League and all of Low A baseball, what's your favorite mo pattern, and what's been the best one that you've ever done? I don't. That's the thing is, I don't. I don't have. A favorite mo pattern. I've basically done the exact same mo pattern since my time in Beloit. Okay. Um, it's been the you know I have three mo patterns that I do. I change them up, but I throw a little variations in them every once in a while. Um, I'm just a straight straight line, you know, okay. diamonds checker pattern kind of guy. You don't try to do um, stars or anything like that. No, I just. I simply just don't have time to do all those crazy designs that some, you know, some of the colleagues that I, you know, around minor league baseball do. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't feel like it's, you know, spend so much time doing all these crazy designs. There's so many other things that need to get done besides spending, you know, four or five hours on a mower. Right. Okay. I get that. I get that. You know what works and you stick to it. I like it. Um, groundskeepers, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Groundskeepers are usually the first ones at the ballpark in the morning and the last ones to leave at night during the season. And you have a, you have a wife and two little girls. Right. How do you balance the long hours with having a family? I don't. The wife does. <laughs> okay. She's a, she's a saint. Um... I I try to help out as much as humanly possible. Right. Um, this time of year during the off season, um, Emily keeps the whole the whole ship afloat. Um, she's the one. Um, you know, typically I'll take the girls to school in the morning mm-hmm. unless we have like a eight o'clock tarp pole. Right. I, even those times I'll go pull tarp and I'll come back home and then I'll take the girls to daycare. Okay. Um, but, but most of the time I'll take them to daycare during the whole year. But she's the one, you know, during season, she picks them up, she feeds them. She does the bath time. She does the stories time. She does the bedtime. So, um, yeah, she's a, she's the saint. She, she's the one that keeps it all together during the season. And she just um, follows you wherever you go. Uh she has. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we don't have uh, that many more moves left in us because I, you know, we've, you know, I've been dragging her around since, um, basically when we were at school at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been she's been in Kannapolis, she's been in Beloit, she's been in West Michigan. So, um, 
it's the same thing like Kim and Timmy. I mean, they've been everywhere, you know. Right. Moving gets moving gets old after a while, so yeah. especially when you start having kids and you want to start settling down. So sure. hopefully we have uh, one or two moves left in us, and that's that's going to be it for us. All right, all right. Um, so speaking of um, you know Beloit and having your first child, I'm going to tell the story. Um, from my point of view about so you had your first child you got the call say like an hour before the game started um saying hey i'm in labor we gotta go to the hospital and like the husband and father that you should you left work and i you know no qualms about that clearly but um so in Beloit, yeah, in in Beloit, I served as the public address announcer for all seventy home games, and I also did the music for all seventy home games at the same time. Um, and I'm like announcing the lineups and um, the pre- the pregame announcements, and I'm like kind of like looking up every once in a while from my script and like watching your game day staff line the field and stuff like that. Everything looks good until they do the batter's boxes. And I'm going to sound really ignorant. Um, So what is that tool that you use to to line the batter's boxes? The... The stencil, like the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I call it stencil. Okay, so it's a it's a square stencil. Let's picture this, folks. A like a a rectangular stencil, and there's and it's like kind of hollow on the inside. So like like it's just a rectangle, like and it outlines the perimeter of the batter's boxes. So. Mitch's game day staff does one batter's box. It looks good. They do it on the on the outside of the stencil. And then they do the other batter's box. And they did it on the inside of the stencil. So picture picture this. The batter's boxes are completely different sizes. And like I'm looking I'm looking from the press box and I'm like, that just doesn't look right. Now again, I'm very ignorant to um, groundskeeping and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, that just doesn't look right. And I announce the starting lineups, and the teams are about ready to take the field. And the umpires call both managers out onto the field. And they're, they're pointing to the batter's boxes. And they're like, what do you want to do about this? And Fran, being the manager that he is... Just said, like, well, honestly, they're going to be gone in about th- three batters. Like, people are going to step on them, kick dirt over the chalk lines, all that kind of stuff. Let's just get rid of them now. Let's just kick dirt on them now, and so be it. So that's what they did. Oh, did they really? Yeah, that's that's honestly, like... like so this is the first time I've heard this story. Yeah, for, so... I've heard variations of it, but I've actually never heard it from your point of view. I think it was a very touchy subject at the time. Nobody ever wanted to tell me this. So, I didn't, like, clearly I couldn't hear, like, from the press box to the field. So I asked our manager, Fran, about it later. 
And he was just like, I told him it was going to be gone in like two or three batters anyway, so I just kicked dirt on it. And they were they were fine with that. And I was like, all right. like, And he's like, I understand Mitch... Mitch had to be at the hospital to to be with his wife, and they're giving birth to their firstborn child. And he's like, "But geez, like, how can how can his uh, grounds crew staff just not know how to line the field without him? <laughs> you know." That's the thing is, they did it every single game too. They did it fine every single time. <laughs> but the one game I don't show up, you know, out of seventy games, the one I don't show up to, they get it wrong. You know, it's like go figure. Right, right. It was just, it was just one of those things. I was just like up in the press box. I was like, "What is going on right now?" And then, like, I'm like looking, and like the batter's boxes just look so out of proportion. And then they just kicked dirt on them and started the game. That was the best part about that because I come back, I came back the next day, and because uh, we were still, we were still on a homestand, mm-hmm. it was a four game homestand, and. Um, the, the next day was the last game of that four-game homestand. And uh, I talked to a friend, I asked him how he goes, and he just kind of shook his head. And I'm like, uh, all right. He never really explained to me about the batter's box, but um, he goes, well, you know, one thing we did do is uh, we didn't take BP yesterday because, you know, you weren't here. But we're going to take it again today. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, so let me, let me get all that stuff set up for you again. All right, no problem. Oh, man. Fran, honestly, was the best manager I've ever worked with. He's pro- yeah, he's definitely, uh, of all the managers I've been around, he's probably still top three, top oh, three yeah. managers. For sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, clearly, the equipment and budget has varied in every stop you've made, right? Right. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge in your career when it comes to quality of equipment and money? Like, I know it varies, like, you're working with a different budget and different equipment in West Michigan than you did in Beloit or Nashville, you know. Um, this is one of the great things that Beloit taught me was, um, doing the most with having nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, coming up with different ways to create, um, the same expectations as if you were, you know, at a different ballpark with a lot of money. Right. Um, the big difference between, let's say, a Beloit and a West Michigan mm-hmm. is, um, you know, we were doing bare minimum in Beloit. Yeah. Still, still keeping it looking good, um, you know, trying to make it play as best as, you know, possible. Right. Um, being in West Michigan, I can finally do those little things that make the big picture. Okay. You know, um, you know, a lot of, you know, a couple extra fertilizer sprays, a couple extra fungicide sprays, um, having, you know, equipment that's reliable. And, it, you know, when you start it up in the morning, you don't, you know that it will work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Beloit, and, you know, there, there was work. Work. You don't know if it was going to work or not. Yep. Um, that was just, that that was reality there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing is, it, you know, it's, it's able to do the little things now compared to before, which takes a lot of the stress off of you. Right. 
Um, and the, the big thing is too is that it's not so much the equipment or the or the money. It's it's the bodies. You know, actually having a staff to work besides yourself is huge. Right. How many assistants um, do you have? Um, this year we'll have. Um, I just had a. Actually, my assistants, full time assistants, last day is tomorrow. Actually, he's uh, actually joining the Peace Corps. Oh, wow. he's uh, going to Mongolia to teach English. So um, we're going a little bit different route this year um, to save some money. Okay. Um, we get a we're gonna have a seasonal assistant this year, a um, couple of interns, and uh, I like to call it the the forty the forty uh, hour man All forty right. man. Yeah, where he, he just works forty hours. He comes in the morning, and then he'll you know he'll leave before game times. Okay. And then I have an actual. We'll run five, five or six game day workers. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing is having the bodies now to actually do the work instead of me having to run around and do everything. That that's that's the biggest thing that's that okay. sets West Michigan from Beloit nowadays. Right. Right. Okay. Um, We'll be right back with this interview with Mitch Hooten right after this break. Welcome back, Mitch. Uh, what do you think about the name change of one of your old teams from the Kannapolis Intimidators to the Kannapolis Cannonballers? Truthfully? Truthfully. Or politically correct way? However you see fit. I absolutely hate it. (laughs) Okay. Tell us why. My thing is, I... I, when I grew up, I was a you know still a, a big NASCAR fan, and you know my driver was Dale Earnhardt Senior. I mean that was that was my main man. Okay. Um, you know when I when I first learned that you know Canapolis had a baseball team and they were switching it over to the Intimidators because they used to be uh, the Piedmont Bull Weevils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before um, Dale became a. Uh, minority owner with them mm-hmm. so you know I always like you know if I ever got in, you know that'd be so cool to work for the Intimidators one day um, you know it was I, I you know, it was I took a lot of pride in you know working for Dale's team like mm, I mean, right. it was I mean it, you know Dale was gone yeah but um, it was it was still Dale's team and mm-hmm. that's how the that's how the team saw it it was Dale's team I mean that was one of the last things of Dale that was still around. Right. Um, you know, we would have, you know, Carrie, Carrie Earnhardt would show up a couple times of the year to the ballpark. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about, you know, seeing a ghost, Carrie looks exactly like Dale Sr. So, you know, you see him in the stands and you're just like, oh, it, wait, wait, no, that's Carrie. Never mind. Right. So, um, you know, Kannapolis, you know, that, that, that's Dale's town. I mean, sure. there's a big old bronze statue of Dale downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, his his mom still lives in Canapolis. Um, you know, 
Kelly and you know Dale Jr. and you know some of the other family members. They all still live in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, do I do I completely hate the name? No, I, I mean I I understand and I know why they changed the team name. Right. They need they you know new ballpark. Yeah, let's rebrand. I get it. Yeah, I feel like it was easier to do that. With the new ballpark, and and quite frankly, their logos were very outdated, and they needed to do something. Yes, they did. Yeah, I mean, I get where they're coming from, um, but uh, yeah, like the Intimidators were were a cool name. I mean, that was Dale, and I, you know, they had that, you know, fan vote, and right, you know, even Dale Jr. got in on the fan vote, and you know, he said, "Why don't we call? Why don't you call the team the old Ironheads?" You know, that's what. You know, seniors' nickname used to be was Ironhead. Right. And I'm like, you know, that that's something cool, to, you know. But, um, you know, watching their promo videos and you know all their marketing videos of why they changed their name. I mean, they made a there's a really good one they made on why they named it the Cannonballers, and it, it it for the history of that little town, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But, sure. Um, it's it's gonna take some time for me to for it to grow on me. I mean, I just think of like. You know, the human cannibal that goes around from ballpark to ballpark. That, that's all I picture is that is that guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head though. But that's what it reminds me of. No, we we had him in Delmarva too, and it it you didn't. Know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it didn't yeah. draw very well. I don't know if it was. I mean, I'll throw myself under the bus. I don't know if it was, like, lack of, like, marketing, which I don't think it was. But um, it also, like, the county fair was that night as well. Probably, so, yeah. yeah, it just didn't draw very well. But I know what you're talking about. I mean, it, it's going to take a little time. Because, I mean, I still you know, I still have my Canapolis Intimidators sweatshirts, T-shirts, mm-hmm. hats. And, you know, I, I'm not going to – I can't get rid of them. Right. It's just, it's the Intimidators. It's historic but, now. Yeah, it, it's it's all retro gear now. Yeah. I mean, I could probably get good bucks for it somewhere <laughs> down the line. But, yeah. Um, oh yeah, like you know, rebranding. Yeah, it had to be done. And right. I, you know, there's there's some there's some backstory to also why they had to rebrand it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's definitely it it really surprised me that's the route they went with yeah but um it seems like you know people are people are loving it down there Mm -hmm. you know good for them yeah um what was your favorite part of working together in Beloit now before your before your wife moved there we we spent a lot of time at the local watering holes but just what was your favorite part of working together in Beloit? You know, by then, you know, baseball was, you know, it was just another season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the times hanging up the rock, that, those were some uh, good times. Oh, yeah. Um, taking your money in the uh, basketball NCAA bracket, <laughs> that was a fun time. Yeah. We're the only guys in the bar on a Monday night watching you, you know, hand hand me money because your Villanova boys were. Ah, uh, yeah, I lost. I lost it on point differential. Point point differential. Uh, they won the game, but you lost because of points. Yep. You came down to a tiebreaker. Right. And then uh, 
and actually I told this story today to my old assistant. Um, the time when we were just, you know, randomly hopped in the car and went to that Janesville Jets game. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we were, you know, whatever, was it 16-ounce cans for 20 bucks or whatever it was? Uh, I think it was a bucket of them, yeah, for yeah. 20 bucks, yeah, something that like a, that. Yeah, if the old lady found out what I did for about a month there, she'd probably, <laughs> you know, she'd probably kill me. <laughs> oh, man, Beloit was, yeah. was fun. I mean, I mean, it was definitely fun. I mean, I yeah. have to say, um, it was work hard, play hard for sure. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, um, we did. That's all you could do was have fun. I mean, for the for what we were dealing with and what we were working with, I mean, you, that's all you could literally do was just right. try to turn it into a fun situation. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um. You really see a different side of the players than than really anybody else. You actually get to interact with them while they are warming up, during BP, and in between innings. What's your favorite part about that, and can you share some stories with us? I've learned a lot. I know a lot about, you know, you get personal with these. You know, they're they're regular guys. Oh, yeah. They're, They're... you know, a lot of them are, you know, they're straight coming out of college or straight mm-hmm. coming out of high school. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're used to playing a couple times a week or, you know, if the college, maybe four times a week. And they go from that to playing every day for, you know, two and a half weeks straight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have, you know, getting personal with them is just, it's almost, you're building relationships with them. Right. But, you know, the, they're also, you know, they're tired of looking at the same guys every day too. So, you know, talk about, you know, how's your how's your parents doing? Or, you know, if, you know, because I went to Mississippi State. You know, every once in a while we get another SEC guy that rolls through. So, mm-hmm. um, like last year we had uh, three, three, three or four SEC guys right after the draft. Okay. And, you know, we had one kid from Ole Miss. We had a kid from Tennessee. We had a kid from Arkansas. Well, you know, break up, you know, because we didn't do so hot last year. So break up, you know, the tension a little bit. Yeah, we, you know, ripped down the Ole Miss kid a little bit, you know, because <laughs> he went to Ole Miss. Right. So why not? Um, you know, it's it's just, it's it's the players, it's the coaches. Because, I mean, you, you, have, you work with them. You right. Know, with them, you know. With them more than the front office. Oh yeah. Um, Quite frankly, they're more interesting to talk to. Honestly, I mean, they are. There's so many. They've, they've got so many stories and so many backstories, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot more. It's more interesting to learn from you know, you know, asking, hey, how's the ball roll? How's you know, how's the skin? How's the how's the game mount? Mm-hmm. Are you slipping here? Is it too wet? You know, you're, it's not so much just um, looking for pointers. Right. It's more or less just, you know, building a relationship with them. So if you need something done and, you know, hey, I need you to stay off this part of the grass or can you stand over here? You know, they're they're more they're more inclined to do it since, you know, they're you're somewhat friends with each other instead of being, sure. you know, the, the grouchy groundskeeper that's always yelling at everybody. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, being in it so long, you know, and, and like you and Timmy were talking about, you know, oh, you remember this player and you remember that player? Right. I can't remember. You know, every once in a while there would be a guy that makes it to the major leagues, and it's like, oh, that guy kind of looks familiar, and he, he, I might have seen him somewhere down the road. Right. But when you're around him, you know, 50 guys every single day mm-hmm. for 70 days, you're... It, 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 just it's hard to keep track it really is right right um and i this is my perspective i always think that um pitchers are more interactive and more personable than position players what are your thoughts about that it it really depends it really depends on your organization i think Mm -hmm. it really does yeah um like Oakland, I mean, they had a lot of, you know, they had a lot of American pitchers. Yeah. Um, Detroit, we have quite a few Latin pitchers. Okay. Uh, you know, you got that that language barrier. So, but then, you know, with the Tigers, we have a lot of American position players. Right. Okay. With the A's, we had a lot of, you know, Latin American position players. Yeah. So it kind of varies with each team. I didn't even uh, take that into perspective. I was just like, oh, you know, like the bullpen, they come in like yeah. every three or four days and they're just kind of chill. And right. But I, I see what you're saying, though, with um, the, the language, language barrier and that kind yeah, of stuff. So you kind of, you know, you kind of, you know, find your way over to the American players just because you, it's that language barrier. Right. I mean, the Latin, you know, the Latin players, you know, they're they're trying to learn English. You know, I, I got a couple uh, Latin words that can get me in trouble, and they <laughs> laugh at it when I say them. So, um, yep. um, they just sit there and laugh at me. And, you know, if they, I I know a little bit and I can say a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, if they're you know goofing around or doing something they shouldn't be doing, they know. Right. They can read facial expressions and, you know, but... Being in the insurance game now, I wish that I knew more Spanish. Right. Um, But really, all I know, I know enough to talk to the ballplayers. And that's that's about it. Just like, Mm -hmm. hey, how you doing? It's time to go. Get in the car. Like... um, <laughs> just, just like, hey, papi, you know, like right. that kind of stuff. But right. yeah, I don't know enough to to sell insurance to to um, you know people that speak Spanish. So it's unfortunate that I don't know as much as I wish. But in, in some years, you know, it's complete opposite. You yeah, know, I think I, you know some years we'll have a you know a lot of Latin position players and a lot of American pitchers well you just kind of gravitate to the American I mean it, yeah right, you yeah. like to talk to the Latin players but you know a lot of them are they're, it's their first time being away from home so yeah. you know they don't know English very well yeah. I mean they're going through English classes at the same time as playing ball so oh, yeah. they're trying to learn and you know it's it's just it's easier to get and get, get used to the cold up there in Michigan right. yeah. oh yeah yeah. Even the Midwest League. I mean, it's. I think the only warmest place in the Midwest League is Bowling Green when yeah. the home opener starts. Right. Everyone else is battling snow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the West Michigan Whitecaps rebrand at least once a year, maybe multiple times a year, to right. the Beer City Bunghammers. Right. Can you kind of just go into that a little bit? So we we did that promotion. I think we're going on year three this year. Okay. Um, so Green Rapids is known as Beer City USA. Sure. Um, I think I think we took that title away from uh, Asheville, North Carolina, okay. several years ago. I guess. Yeah. So you know, it was they wanted a way to um, spread that Beer City USA kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, get the breweries involved because I mean, we have you know we have so a many. lot of so many breweries yep. in Michigan or just in Grand Rapids alone. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, one of the biggest ones is Founders, and it's, yep. I mean, it's, they sponsor our grounds crew, oh. and they're five minutes down from the ballpark, maybe yeah. ten, and they're right there. So, um, it was really just a way to get connected with that whole Beer City USA, they ran with a couple names, I mean, they, uh, you know, the Bung Hammers, um, I think even one was Bung Holes. I think minor league baseball shot that one down. I could imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it's the first year with, we had a great turnout, and mm. even last year we had a great turnout. Um, it's just it's something different, something new. Yeah. Um, just it, it it breaks up, you know. What is a bung hammer? So the bung hammer is the hammer that hits the bung into the barrel of beer. So you have the bung uh, hole, yep. you hit the bung, and the bung is like the, the cork stopper. Okay. So you take the bung hammer and you hit the bung into the bung hole. Okay. I got it. I mean, we do, they even do a, like a little demo on the field on bung hammer night. They'll bring down one of those wooden barrel kegs and mm-hmm. you know they'll let the kids hit the bungs into the keg so it's kind of cool nice nice yeah in uh delmarva we've done uh we've rebranded to the delmarva scrapple for the last two years you know what scrapple is no idea is that a sandwich it can be so scrapple is a meat and it's kind of like a hot dog, like, in the fact that you don't want to know what goes into it. Right. And it's, like, in a loaf. And so you can, like, cut it and, like, fry it or grill it, or, you know, that kind of, bake it, whatever you want to do. You can put it on egg and cheese sandwiches. You can eat it with your eggs. Um, Is it, like, spam? Cotton. Like no, it, it's it's more cornmeal-y, if that makes oh, sense. I gotcha. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cornmeal in in it, um, but it's it is very popular, like in the Mid Atlantic region. Um, some people put ketchup on it. Some people put grape jelly on it. Some people put hot sauce or syrup on it. It's kind of just like one of those things that just everybody loves so. what was the color combination for the scrapple it was red white and blue oh was it right. what's the bung hammers we're it's like black burnt orange and white 
Okay. Yeah, we did red, white, and blue because, like, the most popular brand of Scrapple is red, white, and blue themed. Is it? Yeah. I gotcha. So, but yeah, you can go into um, anywhere. You can go into a grocery store and buy it. You can, like, even at, like, Royal Farms, which you probably don't know what that is, but it's like a Sheets or a Wawa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Royal Farms is similar to that, um, except you can get scrapple egg and cheese sandwiches there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, scrapple's pretty good, and that's what we've rebranded. That's what the Del Mar was rebranded to in the last like couple years. Uh, So on the Pulling Tar podcast, as you know, I'm a I'm a media guy and um, I've always been involved in downloading and playing the different players walk up songs. So we close out every podcast on the Pulling Tart podcast with uh, what your what our guests' favorite players walk up song is. And who's who the player is, what's what's the song? So when I was working for uh, as an intern for the Detroit Tigers, um, they were going through, still going through their um, their AL Central Championships and um, going through their playoff runs still at the time. Okay. Um, and we had Joel Zamaya as our closer, my second year there. Yeah. And you know those those July June Saturday night games when the place is just absolutely rocking you know they would turn on uh, uh, Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix and Zamaya Zamaya would come out do one of those you know one of those rock you know the rock stare at the crowd and the place would just be rubbed and he'd come in you know throwing 102 103 shut him down and you know ball game get out of there I mean it was one, it was probably one of the coolest coolest things besides working a you know the playoff, the playoffs there. Sure. I mean that. And it, it, it and all it was, it was that guitar, the guitar riff at the beginning. Okay. Because you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. All it was by the time the by the time Jimmy started singing, it was like go time. Right. You know, Better was in the box. I mean, it, it, that was pretty. That's my song. That's even my song for on the Whitecaps. Uh, pro or uh, on on their website. On the website, okay. By Jimmy Hendrix. All right, all right. I can definitely respect that, and we'll we'll ride out the end of this podcast. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.